Good morning, Gateway. If we can start making our way to our seats. The few, the proud, the Memorial Day crowd. That's right. We are the committed. I'm just kidding. Just, just kidding. I know a lot of folks are out traveling and out on this beautiful weekend, rightly so. But it's great to see everybody this morning. I want to welcome everyone who's watching us at home or those in our little side room. And again, just as a reminder, if there is a, um, a time or season you still want to be a little isolated, we are setting up the youth room if needed for those that may want to be over in the gym area um, if you're still not comfortable with being with us here in the sanctuary. So uh, just let us know and we can get that set up for you. Just a couple of quick announcements. Men, this Tuesday night, we're going to have a little gathering, fun time together right out here in the yard area um, at 6 o'clock this Tuesday for an outdoor fellowship. We're going to have a fire pit, some hot dogs. We're going to play some outside games of cornhole and bocce. So get your game on. I want you to all see my motion. That's it. That's the cornhole motion. So just getting the guys ready. Now we're excited to play. We're going to hang out. We have a little time of devotion and uh, just a fellowship. No need to sign up. Just come on. We'd love to have you. 6 o'clock Tuesday night. Right out here for some good fun food and fellowship. And ladies, we also have something coming up to start off for you all. Um, there's going to be a summer book club this Thursday beginning at 6.45. Um, it's an in-person gathering. Um, it's going to be a combining time of sharing some testimonies and then the study of Noel Piper's book, Faithful Women and Extraordinary God. So the blog has some information as well, but it will start this Thursday, 6.45 over in the gym. Also, children, those that are here, no kids worship today. It's the fifth Sunday, so we're not going to have kids worship. And it's also very timely because today, Pastor Grady will be talking about honoring your father and your mother. And all the kids are like, yay. Okay, I'm just kidding. All the kids are running out the door now. It's like, I want to go to nursery. Okay, so uh, no kids worship today. So it's just great to have everybody. So let's stand on this beautiful Sunday morning, prepare our hearts for worship. Just want to open us up with some scripture to prepare our hearts. This is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 15. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over all of them in Christ. Let's worship together. Just going to piggyback a little bit off of what CJ said too and read this text. Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're about to sing this song called Glorious Day. And um, the chorus is simply that I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You called my name and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. That is when Christ calls our name. That we are able, like Lazarus, to raise from the dead in our sinful state. When we are dead in our sins, Christ calls our name. And he gives us a new life and gives us a new heart and raises us in life to him. Amen. And I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb Till I met you and I was breathing but not alive and All my failures I tried to hide it was my tomb till I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness to your glorious day. You called my name. To your glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. You're Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, to your glorious day, you called my name. Sin was heavy, chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, 
take this world and give me Jesus in his cross my trust shall be take this world and give me Jesus till that day my Lord I see take this world and give me Jesus in his cross my trust shall be take this world and give me Jesus till that day my Lord I see know the height and depth of mercy oh the length and breadth of love oh the fullness of redemption pledge of endless life above oh the height Take this world, my God's enough. Take this world, my God's
Jesus, for our sake you died. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, Creator One, God of glory, Majesty, praise forever to the King of That soul was moved for good For the Lamb and conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was born Then the Spirit lit the flame now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fail. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise Give our King a praise offering just for the clap. We just honor you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are worthy of our praise as our amazing, steadfast, solid King. King that rules with love and grace and mercy and justice. God, we thank you for those words we just declare that you are our rock, you are steadfast, you are our strong tower. God, in these times where things are still people struggling with pain and suffering and loss. And a lot of things we're not sure about for the future, God, but you are a sure thing. You are faithful and good and trustworthy. You do not change, and you're the one that we can come to and lean on and cry out to and know that you are with us and you'll respond, and we can just fall into you, Lord. We can have rest and peace in you. 
Lord, we thank you for this time we can come together as your children to, to glare, declare glory and honor and praise you are so worthy of. And it still never ceases to amaze me that the God of the universe delights in this gathering right here on Bell Road. You delight as our Heavenly Father to see your children come together to worship you, to honor you, to share in community and fellowship, to experience a time of discipleship and just to lift up the name of Jesus, to magnify you, to give you glory. We thank you that you are here in our midst. We thank you each week, God, that we can come before you as the true source of life, the answer to all things, to bring these petitions before you and songs of praise and thanksgiving and prayers. And Lord, we thank you that you hear us. And Lord, we again, we thank you just for this opportunity to lift up the Gateway Women's Ministry. God, as we mentioned this morning, just another gathering where the ladies can come together to share in community and fellowship and discipleship. Lord, we thank you for the leaders that have gone before with Bible studies and book studies and the group that's studying how to be effective in counseling and discipleship. God, we pray you continue to bless all of these gatherings of these ladies, that they would just grow together, encourage one another, that they would grow in you, they would share community, and that, God, they would just experience your presence in a very sweet, intimate way. We thank you so much for their hearts and those that are leading out in this way. God, we thank you for the Montgomery Baptist Association and their ministry down in Lowndes County called Love Loud, where they're providing food and clothing and different things to those in need in that poor community and sharing the gospel every step of the way. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would um, open hearts and draw people to yourself, that they would experience a true revival in that county, in that community of those different places where the bus goes to provide food and uh, individuals are being salt and light. And we just pray, God, that your heart of conviction and repentance and all would flow through that area to draw people to yourself, that salvation would come. And Lord, we thank you that we get opportunity each week to pray for our extended family in the body of Christ, Lord. And this morning, we thank you for Pastor Daniel Aitkins over at Taylor Road Baptist Church and those in that community there. Lord, we pray this morning you would fill them afresh with your spirit as he's bringing the word, that you would bring encouragement to that congregation. Lord, we thank you for their influence in the community around them and bringing the gospel to those in so many different ways. We pray your blessing upon them and their leadership as they seek you, Lord, for direction and guidance and the vision that you have for them at Taylor Road. And God, thank you for the opportunity to pray for individuals by name and small groups globally. And Lord, this morning we are praying and lifting up this new small group that's formed in a home in Tanzi, Taiwan, among the Hakka people. We thank you for the opportunities these missionaries are able to meet in this home where one of the people in that family are a believer. And we just pray, God, that you would move among the rest of the family. They have There's other brothers and sisters in that family, we pray, God, that would come to faith and that they would have a great influence among the Hakka people in their village and community there in Taiwan. That there would, the gospel would just spread as this one small group, Lord, just gets lit, as we just read, saying with the flame of your spirit that the gospel would go floor, forth and that they would have an impact in that community among the Hakka people. Protect them, watch over them. God bless these missionaries with provision, whatever they need, as they bring the gospel, as they represent you well in that nation. Lord, we thank you for your provision. Uh, you are a good God, and we are so blessed. We thank you for the opportunity to give this morning here or online. We ask you to bless uh, the funds that come in for the sake of your kingdom, being advanced here among this community, among this faith family, and to the nations. And Lord, thank you so much for our pastor, our shepherd, Grady. We pray that you would give him strength and uh, courage and just fill him afresh, Lord, as he brings your word this morning. We pray that you allow him to be in tune with your Holy Spirit, give him wisdom and discernment, 
as he brings forth your word. We thank you so much for him and his, his life and Julia and the family. We just ask blessings upon them this morning. God, continue to have your way. Holy Spirit, continue to come and manifest your power and presence among us. May your kingdom come and may your will be done here. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Gateway family. It's great to see you on this Memorial Day weekend. Find Exodus chapter 20 in your copy of God's Word or on your Bible app, Exodus chapter 20. Now, if you're visiting with us or new to Gateway, we're doing a series called Rooted. We're seeking to be grounded in the Word of God, to know what we believe and to understand what we believe. Now, we're in the middle of the first section of this study of Rooted, and we're in a part of it on the law, on the commandments of God, of what God requires of us. Now, in particular now, we're spending about two and a half months looking at the Ten Commandments. And we're slowing down our pace a little bit from the catechism that's been our guide through this study. And instead of doing two or three commandments per message, I don't think that would be possible for me to even do that, we're doing one commandment per week to look at what we're seeing in the Ten Commandments. Now, why are we slowing this down? Because for many of us, the Ten Commandments are something we heard in childhood, we've seen framed on a wall. But we really haven't taken time, particularly as adults, to stop and slow down and think, how, was the, how are these commandments relevant for me today? How do these commandments instruct me in God's will for me today? So we're slowing it down and looking at them one at a time. We've looked at the first four so far, the first four commandments that are about God's expectations for how we relate to Him, the vertical commandments, if you will. And now starting today, we're beginning the horizontal commandments, the second part of the Ten Commandments, the part of the deal, how we relate to one another. And very fittingly, the very first of these horizontal commandments starts with how we relate to one another in the home. So I want us to look at that together this morning. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? I'll be reading out the English Standard Version. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your Word God, we thank you for how much truth is packed into each individual verse you've given to us in your word. Lord, as we look at this fifth commandment today, I pray it would be instructive, it would be helpful for us. And Lord, whether it's a young child in the room or a, a someone who's already older themselves and their parents have passed away, I pray that we see the relevance of this command for us in whatever season of life we are in today. For your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you can be seated. So as we go through the Ten Commandments, our question each week that we're going to answer is pretty simple. And our question this week is very simple. What does the Fifth Commandment require? When we look at each of the Ten Commandments, what does God require of us as people in each of these commandments? So today, what is required in the Fifth Commandment? Now, I'm convinced that the Fifth Commandment does not get the focus it, should, it really deserves. I think we've relegated the Fifth Commandment to, boys and girls, clean your rooms when mom says clean your room. Boys and girls, take a bath when dad says take, your, take a bath. And that's about the extent we think about this particular commandment. Now, that is true. I don't want to minimize what I just said. That is true that the boys and girls should do what their parents say. That is in view. But a lot of the scholars I've read this week actually say the primary audience of the fifth commandment is not young children in the home, but is grown adult children. That's a whole different angle in the Ten Commandments than we often hear about. So I want us to explore that this morning because the fifth commandment is relevant for all of us regardless of what season in life we are in. So what does the fifth commandment require? I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer for that, then we'll explore it this morning. Here's what the fifth commandment requires. God requires us to honor our parents throughout all of the changing seasons of life. The fifth commandment's requirement is that we honor our parents throughout every season of life. If you're an elementary age boys and girl, boy and girl in the room, if you're a teenager, if you're a college, if you're a young adult on your own, if you're a starting your own family, if you're a mature adult, if you're an older adult and your parents have passed away, this command still has relevance for all of us. And God's plan for us is to honor our parents 
throughout all of the changing seasons of our lives. Now, as I approach the Ten Commandments, one thing that has helped me as I've been studying it, and I hope it's helpful for you as we've been studying them together, is I've been asking a series of questions to try to stretch my understanding of the commandments. And so I want to kind of follow that pattern again today. We followed the last few weeks in the first several commandments of asking some questions to help us kind of explore the depths of what is in view here. So let's start with that. Our first question for the morning then is, what is actually required in this commandment? So what is required? So look back at verse 12 and look at the beginning of it. Honor your father and your mother. Like the commandment we saw last week in the fourth commandment, there's just one command here, one imperative, one word that communicates the commandment, and that's the word honor. Now, this is a really fascinating word. If, when this was written, this was in the Hebrew language, and the word that we translate honor can be used to mean several things in Scripture. Here it's translated, and the meaning is kind of the idea of honoring or respecting, but this exact same word is translated in the Old Testament to mean to be very rich. It can also be translated to mean to be very heavy. Now, if you don't want to say that to your parents, you need, the command is not to be very heavy to your parents, right? The command is not to be rich to your parents. The command is not to have a lot of something. But this word gets used in a lot of different ways. Now, what's the significance of that? Any way this word is used, whether it means honor or riches or weight or a lot of something, it communicates a sense of a weightiness, a significance, and importance in what is being described. And the re this whole term honor communicates to us that there is a weightiness or a seriousness to the role of parents. And communicates there's a weightiness and a seriousness to how we respond to our parents. And so really the core of this command is a command for us to view rightly the role of our parents in our lives. And don't miss that. This command, this idea to honor, to be weighty, to be heavy, to be, to be rich, is to calling us to have a correct view of the role of our parents in our lives, to, and it literally to prize them to value them for who they are, to value them for what they have done. So if you want to take this word honor, perhaps you could translate it to rightly view your parents, rightly prize your father and your mother. Now you rightly view your parents not because they're perfect. They're not, and neither are you and I, right? You're not valuing them because they're perfect. You're not valuing them because they had the perfect parenting strategy. You're valuing them because of who they are as image bearers of God and because of the God-given authority and role they have put into the home. Friends, I want to remind us we have the parents we have by God's sovereign plan. Psalm 139, verse 13. It's just such a reminder this truth. There's a beautiful text about God creating us. But notice this. It's for you, God. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. The reason that you have the family you have is by God's sovereign plan. And so we're to rightly respond to that. So what is the command here? It's to honor, it's to prize, it's to value your parents. Now that leads to our second question for the morning. Now how do we do that? What does that practically look like in our lives? Now in just a minute I'm going to show you that it's going to change in different seasons of life, but throughout all the seasons of life, whether you're an elementary age kid or a senior adult here in the room, there's two ways that carry through all the seasons of life. Regardless of what stage we're in, there's two ways that we honor our parents in any season. Number one, we show respect. Number one, we show respect. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3, is, it has an interesting way of helping us see the significance of this. It says, every one of you shall, now what's the next word here? Revere. That's, that's the word that's used in Scripture to talk about worshiping reverence for God. Each one of you should revere his father and mother, and you shall keep the Sabbath. I am Yahweh, your God. So literally, we're to reverence our parents. Now, what does that mean? Well, think back to the command about, we saw about God's name, how we're to respect God's name and we're to revere it. We saw then we came to God's name. It meant that we were only to speak to God and about God in ways that honored him. And that's kind of the idea of being communicated here to us. When we speak to our parents and we speak about our parents, we do so in respectful ways that honor them. 
So the first way we obey this command is we show respect. But there's a second way we obey this command throughout all the seasons of life, and that is we show gratitude. We show gratitude. We show thankfulness. Friends, the reality is being a parent is a life of constant sacrifice. Your parents sacrifice lots for you. They sacrifice money. They sacrifice time. They sacrifice energy. As a parent now, I realize they sacrificed a lot of sleep. You know, they, they sacrificed a lot to, for you to be here today. And so it's fitting and it's good to recognize your parents' sacrifices in whatever season of life you're in, whether you're a boy or girl or you're an adult whose parents are still alive, to say to your parents, thank you, to express gratitude to them. You get a small glimpse of this in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 31, specific to mothers, but you get the idea. It's Proverbs 31, 28. Her children rise up, and they think that she's blessed. No, they, they call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. There's something about vocalizing to your parents gratitude and thankfulness for all the sacrifices they made to raise you. So regardless of the stage of life you're in, you honor your parents through respect and through gratitude. Now there's other ways you honor your parents, and these change as you and your parents age. So I want us to look at some different seasons of life and speak to how do we honor our parents in those seasons. So we'll go from young to old here. Okay, so let's start for the children who are in the home. So boys and girls who are normally in kids' worship, I'm excited you're in here this morning because this is for you and for our teenagers as well. This is for you. If you're living under the roof of your parents and you're in your parents' home, how do you honor your parents? Well, you do what we just saw. You speak respectfully, you show gratitude, but there's a third way if you're in their home that you need to honor your parents, and that is one simple word, obedience. When you are living under the roof of your parents, the way you honor them is what we just saw, but you add to that obedience. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, what's the next word? Okay, boys and girls who are in here for kids' worship. You can talk out loud. Boys and girls especially. What's the next word? Children do what? Obey. Obey. There you go. Obey your parents in the things you want to do. Obey your parents. What's the next word, boys and girls? In what? Your parents are used to talking back to me. You're not yet. So, boys and girls, what is it? Children, obey your parents in? What's the next word? Everything. There we go. Obey your parents in everything. Whether you're a child or a teenager in the home, you honor your parents through your obedience to what your parents ask you to do. I want to give one clarification here. There are limits to this. Now, boys and girls, don't get too excited or hopeful here, okay? Your parents have an authority that God has given to them, but it's an important word here that your parents have what's called a delegated authority, meaning your parents aren't supreme authority to decide everything. They have an authority under God to raise you according to God's ways. And so you're to obey your parents in everything unless it contradicts the word of God. Now, cleaning your room does not contradict the word of God, okay? Eating your vegetables does not contradict the word of God, okay? Taking a bath does not contradict the word of God. You are to seek as children to honor your parents through your submission to them, through your obedience to them, unless what they ask you to do goes against the clear revelation of Scripture. Not your preference, not your opinion, but against the clear revelation of Scripture. So you honor your parents by obeying them in everything, as it says in Colossians 3, for this pleases the Lord. Now, a word to our teenagers here in the room as well. This gets harder because you're in a season of life where you're becoming an adult and you're growing and you're maturing and you kind of feel like you're a little bit more independent. I want to give you a challenge. This comes from something that Kevin DeYoung said. I want you to hear what Kevin DeYoung says. He's a great scholar and Bible teacher. He says, the very moment that we think we do not need our parents is probably the moment we need them more than ever. When you're seven or eight, you do not think about life without your parents. You just need somebody to feed you. Then you grow up and you get to a point where you think, I don't know, maybe I could do this on my own. Maybe what my friends want is a little more important. Maybe what my friends are doing is going to serve me better than what my parents think I should be doing. When you get to the point as a teenager, 
that you think, I really don't know that this is a relationship I need, it is at that moment you need your mom and dad more than ever to love and encourage you, to set appropriate boundaries for you, and sometimes to guard you from your very own impulses. And so whether you're an elementary age kid in the home or a teenager still in the home, you honor your parents as you respect them, as you show thankfulness to them, but you honor them as well when you obey them in that. And I want to remind you that your obedience to your parents as a child is part of your worship to God. You see it there in Colossians 3.20, it pleases the Lord. But I want you to see this also, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. As Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, he says something similar. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. You're obeying your parents as you obey God. You're doing so to submit to God, to worship God. Can I remind us that is what Christ himself modeled? Luke chapter 2, verse 51. You see this in Christ's own life. And Jesus went down with them, his parents, Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was, what's the next word? Submissive to them. Here is the perfect son of God who was submitting to his imperfect parents. Don't miss that. Jesus, who had no sin, who was perfect, and was far more spiritually mature than his parents ever could be. He joyfully submitted to their God-given parental authority, submitted to them in his life. So how do you honor your parents? If you're a child or a teenager in the home, you do so with your respect, with your thankfulness, but also with your obedience. But let's go to the next season of life. How do you honor your parents when you move out of the home, when you are a young adult on your own? So our second category is not children in the home, but young adults who are now outside of the home. Now, this is important for us to understand. The requirement to obey your parents does not continue once you've left the home. I mentioned earlier, your parents have a delegated authority. There's a second important term. Your parents have a seasonal authority. So your parents' authority over a child is delegated. It's given by God to be used God's way, but it's also seasonal. It's for a season of life. It does not continue. The demand of obedience does not continue throughout all of life. Now, there's a writer named Marshall Seagal. He's a writer for Desiring God, and he says this. It's really helpful. He says, Jesus calls us to always honor our parents. He does not call us to obey our father and mother once we establish our own household. This distinction and transition is critical for healthy honoring of our parents, especially if and when we leave and cleave to a spouse. To honor parents as God demands, a husband or wife must leave them as God demands, establishing clear lines that were not there before. So now when does this happen? Well, in Bible times, this happened when you got married. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, you kind of see a glimpse of this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, we see the word leave here, we think of physically leaving, not living in the same home your mom and dad live in, you know, once you get out on your own. And that's part of it. That's not the thrust of what that leaving is. The leaving here is the leaving of the authority, the leaving of your parents being able to demand obedience of you and you having to obey. You are now out on your own. And that happened again in Bible times when you got married. Now, when does that happen today? Because we're in a culture now where people get married a lot later and may not even get married at all. So when does this happen that you're no longer under the authority of your parents in that sense? Well, different people have different ideas on that, but a lot of the counselors I, I read say this happens when you are no longer living in their house and when you are now financially independent. And so a lot of the people would see this distinction happening, whether or not you get married when you are no longer under your parents' roof and you're not dependent on them financially. At that point, you've in a sense established your own household. And at that point, this authority of them be able to ask you to obey no longer holds. So now that raises the big question for us. If in the second season of life, you're not required to obey, how do you honor your parents in that season of life? When you're an adult on your own, out in your own family, or financially independent on your own, how do you honor your parents? Well, the same thing we saw earlier, you do so with respect and how you talk to them, 
respect in how you talk about them to your friends and with others. You do so with gratitude. As you get older, hopefully you're realizing more and more the sacrifices your parents made, and so hopefully you're taking time to go back and express that to them of how thankful we are the more you realize they've done for you. So it's respect and gratitude. But can I give you one more way I want to suggest you honor your parents in this season of life? You keep a relationship with them. You keep a relationship with them. Friends, life is crazy. We live in a go, go, go society where it's easy for us to go do our own thing and live in our own little world. But one way you honor your parents is whatever way you're able to do so, you maintain an ongoing relationship with them. I mentioned Marshall Seagal earlier. He said it this way. He said, teachers will come and go. Your bosses will be hired and retired. Governors and presidents will be elected and leave office. Whole nations will rise and fall. If I can insert one, your friends will come and go too. But your parents will always be your parents. Because God, with literally billions of options, chose that mother and that father for you. So I just want to remind you, one way you honor them is by recognizing that all these other relationships are going to, the people who you think are your best friends now, you may not even keep up with in 10 or 20 years, but your parents will always be your parents. So you honor them with respect, you honor them with gratitude, and it seems like you honor them by continuing a relationship with them. How about the next season of life? What happens when you're an adult and your parents become elderly? How do you honor them in this season of life? Well, everything I just said, respect, gratitude, continued relationship, but there's one more that happens this season of life. You honor your parents when they're elderly by making sure their needs are met. You honor your elderly parents by making sure their needs are met. You've got to realize when this hat was given in the Old Testament, when Jesus was talking in the New Testament times, there was no government assistance. There was no social security back then. There was no retirement funds or 401ks or whatever else to keep the elderly afloat. They were completely dependent upon the care of their children. And so children had to honor their parents by caring for them. You see this all throughout Scripture. For example, Genesis chapter 47, verse 12, you have the example of Joseph. Remember, God had moved him from where he was with his family, moved him to Israel, or moved him to Egypt, and he had become very influential, and the famine had come, and God had used him to spare multitudes and nations from famine. But notice this, and Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food. But the time came his father had a need, and Joseph set an example of making sure his father's needs were met. And that happened by he actually moved his father to where he was and serving so that he could care and provide for his father. You see Jesus himself doing this, John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. But standing by the cross, so here we are at the crucifixion scene, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, and mind you that's John, John that used his own name, so he described himself that way. When Jesus saw his mother and John, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Now verse 27. Then he said to the disciple, that's John, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple John took her to his own home. Jesus knew his earthly time was coming to an end, and he made sure his, his mom had provision and sustenance, and so he actually gave her to, in a sense, to one of his disciples, the disciple he was closest to, to raise or to help care for her in her older years. So as an adult child with elderly parents, you show honor to your parents with respect, with gratitude, with relationship, and making sure their needs are met. Now, I know some of you in the room, even here today, and some of you watching online, have been, are doing this or have been doing this. And I know it's wearisome for you. And I just want to encourage you, you are worshiping the Lord. You are honoring the Lord through the sacrifice of those years of it, whether it's bringing your parents into your house, whether it's you spending time with them, doing all you can. I know many of you have carried burdens for years. Jesus, I want to let you know and encourage you, you have been honoring them and honoring God through that season as you cared for your elderly parents. But there's one last season in life in this. How do you honor your parents, number four, when your parents have died? Because the time will come for most of us to when 
you're still alive and your parents have passed away. This honor command still applies, even if they're no longer living right now. Someone said this command applies from your first breath until your last breath. That as long as we are alive, we have a, this command to honor our father and our mother. So how do you honor your parents if they passed away? We suggest three ways. Number one, by still speaking respectfully about them. If you talk about them to others or your kids or your grandkids and on and on, you still speak respectfully about them. Number two, you remember their sacrifices. And it's appropriate to still pray and thank God for the sacrifices your mom and dad made for you and to thank God for how he blessed you through them. And a third way I think you can honor your parents in this season is you pass on their memory to the next generation. You tell stories to your kids or your relatives or the grandkids and you pass on the legacy so the generation to come understands who has gone before and how God has blessed your family through them. So four seasons of life, from elementary school and teenagers where you're under the obedience authority of your parents to the season where you're starting your own household to the season where you're older and you're caring for your elderly parents to the season when your parents are gone. And all these, the, the relationship may change through those, but the command still is the same. Back to Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. God requires us to honor our parents throughout all the changing seasons of life. Now that's the what. So you've seen what God requires in this, but now the why. Why is this command so important? I mean, think about this. We're in the second table of the Ten Commandments. We're in the part that begins the horizontal relationship. Of all the things God could say horizontally about how we relate to one another, he started with this. Just as he started the first four commandments with, there's to be no other gods besides him. He begins all the relational commands with the command about how children relate to their parents. Why is it so important? Now, before I answer that question, I want to show you how seriously Scripture views disobedience to this command. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. In Romans chapter 1, verse 28, you have this description of the lostness of the world. And it says, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind. Okay, so get the picture here, how evil this thinking is, to do what ought not to be done. What's a debased, debased mind look like? They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, Malicious, they are gossips. Verse 30, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, venerals of evil, and what's next? Disobedient to parents. Oh my goodness, do you see what is listed alongside as? That we kind of write off disobedience to parents. We kind of laugh at it sometimes when kids and teenagers. We kind of expect like teenagers and college just to rebel and that's a normal part of life. Friends, God views this this seriously that disobedience to parents is alongside hating God, insolent, inventing evil, haughty, boastful. We go on down that list. That serious to God. You see the same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Notice what happens, where people will be lovers themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and, what is it, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. Notice how God views this. We, again, in our culture, kind of laugh off disobedience to parents. We kind of, it's, it's portrayed in a kind of a positive way in movies and culture and TV and entertainment. We have a tendency to laugh it off, and that's just normal life. God views it as very, very seriously. Why is this command so important then, friends? Because obedience to this command brings great good to many people. Don't miss that. This command is so serious to God. It's the foundation of all of the other relational commands because obedience to this command has the potential to bring great good to many people. What do I mean by that? It brings, number one, great good to the children in the home. It brings great good to children in the home in two ways. Number one, it protects the children in the home. Following this command protects 
children, when parents follow God's standard under their delegated authority, and when, parent, and when children honor their parents by obeying that God-given authority, it protects a child from danger. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 gives us a glimpse of this. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Why? Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, notice this, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. When we follow this fifth commandment, it protects children in the home. But it also helps children in the home. It brings good to them a second way because it instills in the children necessary life lessons. It instills in the children necessary life lessons. Notice Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Now this falls right after Ephesians 6 begins repeating this command of the fifth commandment. It reminds us of the seriousness of the command, but then it follows this with the commands of the parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Friends, the home is a place God has designed where we learn otherness. Don't miss that. The, the home is the place God has established for us to learn otherness. The home is the place to where to, we learn how to love our neighbor because you have very close proximity to your neighbor, right? As you learn to obey your parents' children, you are learning to obey other authorities. You're learning to listen to others. You're learning to show respect. The home is where we learn otherness. And so when we follow the fifth commandment, this is not some trivial thing. This is significant because it protects children and it instills in them a sense of otherness. It's where they learn life skills. But the second good comes when we follow this commandment. It brings good to the elderly. It brings good to the elderly. I mentioned earlier this was a pre-welfare state. There was no government assistance, and so the survival of the elderly depended on their children honoring them. And friends, unfortunately, in the world we live in now, where there's so much we can just pass on to government responsibility, it's easy for even believers to relegate and to ignore this command to still care for their parents and to be involved in their lives and still love them well and make sure they are provided for during this season. And so when we obey the fifth commandment, it not only brings good to kids in the home, it brings good to the senior adults, the elderly as well. But a third good that comes out of this command, it brings good to society. It brings good to society. That's what this last phrase of verse 12 is all about. Go back to our verse 12 for this morning. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Now, I'm going to explain this because this phrase is misunderstood and mistaught very often. This is not a promise you and I can claim for ourselves. That if I'll just obey my parents' will, God's going to give me a really long life. Okay, that's not what this means. This is not a, a threat you can hold over, other, uh, over kids and say, listen, if you don't obey us well, you're going to have a short life. You know, that's not what this is promising. That is not what this is about. But let me remind you, Jesus perfectly obeyed this command, and he died young. Jesus perfectly fulfilled every law in this. Jesus never once, anywhere in his whole life, from when he was a little kid all the way till he was grown and kind of out of the house of disciples, he never one time dishonored his parents in any way, shape, form, or fashion, and he died in his 30s at a young age. This is not a promise that we will have individually long lives if we follow this command. This was about the nation of Israel, the society at the time, and particularly about them living in the promised land. And as the people collectively, as God's followers collectively obeyed this command, good would come to the nation. Think about it. So the children learned to submit to their parents' authority, but learned to submit to governing authorities and other authorities. And the young men and women grew in maturity and stability and became a blessing to the country as they matured and served others. Stability in the culture grew. Even the most vulnerable senior adults, the widows and the other elderly were cared for. And so the whole culture at the time would be stable and the nation of Israel could flourish and they could remain in the promised land as they collectively followed that. But the contrast was also true. 
When children failed to honor their parents and the parents let them get away with this, selfishness grew in their hearts. Other disobedience would, grew, would grow. Augustine, who was one of the early church fathers, said it this way. He said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? If anyone, does not, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? And that's what's in view here, because if the children do not learn to honor their parents, they're not going to honor other authority, they're not going to care about others, they will not have a collective sense of otherness and caring for one another's needs, the elderly would be forsaken in their own selfishness, the whole society would begin to crumble, and God would not allow his covenant people to live in his promised land if they're breaking this fundamental covenantal responsibility in the family. Therefore, he would allow foreign nations to come in and take them out to correct them and discipline them so they would return to him. So what this is telling us is for the people of Israel that they could only remain in the promised land and flourish as a society if they would follow this commandment. And though that was specific, then the principle still apply to us. That we as a church are only going to flourish if we break down some of those generational divides and we learn to care for the older adults in the church and we learn to respect authority. And as we work together to make sure our children are brought up in the ways of the Lord and we get into each other's lives and collectively there's applications to our society as well. This is so important because obedience brings great good to many, to the child, to the parents, and even to society. Likewise, the flip is true. Disobedience brings great harm to many. Disobedience, this command hurts the children, it hurts the elderly, and it hurts the society as well. So we're to, obey, we're, we're to honor our parents in all the different seasons of life. That leads to our fourth question this morning. This is so foundational. Why is this so hard to obey? This is foundational. Why is this so hard to obey because we can all look around and see so many places where children, young and old, are not honoring their parents. We can see things in our own life where we failed to honor our parents. We see things in our kids' lives where they're not honoring us. I mean, why is this command so hard to obey? I want to give you three reasons. Number one, it goes against our culture. It goes against our culture, not just modern culture. It goes against most cultures in this. But particularly, I think there's some challenges today. One author I read this week said it this way. We have to realize that almost everything in our culture mitigates against this kind of respect. We do not have the type of culture that says, when you get older, it's when you're the most wise and most deserving of respect. What we have today is when you get older, you should take a back seat. Youth culture equals pop culture, and pop culture equals whatever 15 to 25-year-olds are into. Our culture tends not to honor the generations who have gone before. And that's true. We have a culture that idolizes youth, a culture that rejects authority. And even though we're in the church, we've been bombarded through media, through the world around us, through our friends that... We don't need to follow authority. We don't need to respect the elderly. And so it goes against our culture, and we have to fight against that if we want to follow God's commands. Second of all, though, this is hard because we have a real enemy who hates the family. We don't even want to miss this. We have a very real enemy, Satan, who hates the family. Satan hates God's plan. And as we see, this is the foundational command for all the others that are to follow. So Satan wants to do all he can to wreck the home and destroy this place to where so much good comes to children, adults, and to the society and satan will do all he can to tempt and destroy the family friends if you are married your marriage is under attack right now if you have children you and your parent your spouse and your parenting is under attack your children are under attack satan wants to do all he can to destroy and break up the family friends we must not lose sight of that true we are in a war and need to have a wartime mindset that shapes how we pray for our families that shapes how we keep the gospel for us that shapes how we help one another walk with God in this time, and it also should shape how we forgive one another because we are all going to sin one against, against each other. Parents are going to sin against your kids. Kids are going to sin against your parents. Husbands and wives are going to sin against one another. Siblings, you are going to sin one against one another all the time. You know, this is where we have to be able to show much forgiveness and much grace and not let the enemy get footholds 
into our homes. So why is this hard? Because our culture fights against us. We have an enemy who's trying to tempt us and destroy. But number three, and this is probably the hardest reason why we struggle with this command, our own pride. We struggle to honor our parents because of our own selfishness, because of our own pride. We saw this when we studied the book of James, James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. This is the greatest of all of our threats. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Let me rephrase that. What causes quarrels and fights between parents and children? What causes quarrels and fights to where children dishonor parents and parents sin against their children? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Verse 2, he carries on. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. The reason why children dishonor parents, why parents sin against their kids, the reason why we fight is because there are some desires, something that we want, something we covet, some idol in our life. And when our kids aren't giving it to us, when our parents aren't giving it to us, when our siblings aren't giving it to us, whatever that idol is in our heart and our life, we fight and we quarrel to try to get those idols that we want so bad. Our pride is what is the most destructive thing for us in this. Is it any wonder there's so much brokenness between parents and children today? Now, I want to say a word to some of you, because I know some of you, as I know your stories, you've been hurt by your parents. Now, the focus of this command is how we honor and how we respond but brokenness can come both directions in this. The focus of this command is on how children respond to parents, but if you look at the text in Ephesians or Colossians, the parents are given a responsibility to take care of their children in a correct way, and it's possible for parents to live in selfishness, parents for, possible for parents to fall prey to the enemy's schemes, it's possible for parents to become proud, proud and end up hurting their kids. And I just want to remind us, parents will give a massive accounting before God one day for how they've used that delegated seasonal authority and that should be a sobering thought for all parents that is a sermon for a whole nother day that we don't have time for today but i do want to recognize this there's some of you here at gateway who have been hurt physically emotionally verbally by your parents how does this command have relevance for you i just want to let you know the command to honor your parents does not mean you tolerate sin it does not mean you enable sin honoring parents does not mean you ignore pain from the past we have to be real with those things because we do live in a broken world, the command to honor parents guides how you approach that brokenness. So if you've been hurt by your parents, what does honoring it mean? Again, it doesn't mean you just wipe over. It's not loving your parents if you see them in negligent sin and you just ignore it. So what do you do? You honor them with Ephesians 4.15. Ephesians chapter 4, I want to see it up on the screen. Ephesians 4.15 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ. So children, that's all of us, right? If we see our parents in sin, it's not honoring them to keep our mouth shut, enable them to go down destructive paths. That's not honoring. Honoring is speaking the truth in love. There's a way to approach them very judgmentally. That would be dishonoring. But with a heart of humility and grace that is worried about your parents, it is okay and it's not dishonoring to go to them and say, I love you and I'm not one who has it all figured out, but I want to speak, but to speak the truth in love for whatever the situation is. But likewise, if you've been hurt by your parents, how do you honor them? You honor them by forgiving them the way Christ forgave you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 tells us that. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Again, friends, it's not honoring your parents when you don't, when you just keep the bitterness and hurt in your heart. That's not honoring them, but when you can be real about the wounds you felt and to forgive them the way God has forgiven you. So you approach the brokenness with honesty and respect. Now, again, I know that's just scratching the surface, and there's some of you who carry some deep wounds from your past, and I want to let you know that's what your elder team is here for. If you need to go deeper on this to process 
with some of the pain you felt to know how you honor your parents as you process some of the hurt, know we're here to help you walk through that. But let's go back to our command for today. Back to verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. At least our very last question of the day. What do we do when we break this command? What do we do when we break this command? Remember what we've seen about the law? The law requires perfect and perpetual obedience. There's many times I've broken this command, as there's many times you've broken that command. Whether you're a, an elementary-age kid, a teenager, college student, a young adult, or a mature adult in the room, we have all broken this command. We failed, whether it was a child, to obey. As an adult, we failed to respect and honor and care for their needs. What do we do? We've broken it. One word. We repent. We repent. Let me remind you, in the Bible, when we see repentance, repentance is multifaceted. Repentance is we grieve over our sin. Repentance is we confess our sin, we acknowledge it to God. Repentance is we seek God's forgiveness. But don't miss this. Repentance also is we desire to change. Repentance is not only, God, I need you to forgive me, but God, I need your grace to change me as well. That means true repentance seeks healing where healing is possible. Now, in every situation, healing is not possible. We're told in Scripture that as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all. That means there's situations where you can do all you can, there's not going to be peace. But as much as it depends on you, repentance seeks relational healing where possible. If your parents have passed away, that repentance may just be you have to talk to the Lord and confess the regrets you have and the sins of your past. If your parents are alive, the repentance may be you need to go to them and humble yourself and ask for their forgiveness for specific ways you have sinned against them and not honoring them. But likewise, as a two-way street parent, you may need to humble yourself and set the precedent and go to your child and say, I've made it hard for you to honor me because of my own sin, and I want to seek your, your forgiveness for the way I did not parent you the way I should. Again, that's a sermon for a whole other day on that. But true repentance seeks not only forgiveness from God, it seeks change, it seeks restoration as much as possible. Let's bring all that together, and there's a lot of weightiness to this command. What does the fifth commandment require? Quite simply, that God requires us to honor our parents throughout all the changing seasons of our lives. So I ask a question to the children in the room, and that's all of us. We're all a child of someone, right? So I ask all of us then a question here, and it's simply this. Has God's grace so gripped us that we now desire to honor our parents? However imperfectly we do it, have we so been gripped by the grace of God? Have we so experienced his sweet forgiveness? Have we so experienced a sense of belonging to him, knowing that we're adopted by him and we have a perfect heavenly father who will never fail us? Are we so secure in that grace that we now have a desire to honor our parents in this life? Friends, we cannot do that unless God's grace has gotten a hold of us. So a special word to the elementary age and teenagers in the room. If you find yourself really struggling to obey your parents and to honor them, Perhaps that's God showing you need to run to him. You can't honor your parents this way unless you have God's grace changed. So perhaps for some of the younger ones in the room, if you keep saying, why do I keep disobeying over and over again? Why do I keep failing to honor? Perhaps it is God showing you you need to run to him for salvation so his grace can change you. Perhaps for all of us, if we find ourselves struggling to do this, it's God saying, root yourself in me, find your identity in me, run to me and let my grace change you. Has God's grace so gripped you that you desire to honor your parents. Friends, let's ask God for much grace this week to grow in our family relationships for the good of one another and for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for your sovereign plans. Lord, you could have orchestrated society and peoples in any way you wanted to, and yet you designed it to where the family was to be the core of where instruction came, of where growth came, of where children learned all these truths and to where parents were cared for as they got older. But thank you for your good, good plan for how you've orchestrated things to be. And Lord, we ask for much grace to 
apply this command, where this command is far more stretching and far more convicting and far more penetrating than a lot of us have heard in our early years in childhood when we heard this command. Lord, would you grow us in our understanding of this? And Lord, for those who have been caring well for their elderly parents and are weary, would you encourage them today in their act of worship to you in that? Lord, for those who are boys and girls who are really striving by your grace because they know you to obey well and it seems so hard to do so, would you encourage them today that their obedience is an act of worship to you? Lord, whatever season of life we are in, Lord, would you show us how honoring our parents is so good because it pleases you. And so God, we ask for much grace this week, Lord. Grace to, to live according to your standards. Grace to love one another well. Grace, Lord, to forgive, be quick to forgive. Grace to honor one another. And Lord, we give you the praise for what you do in our midst as you bring healing where healing is needed, conviction where conviction is needed, and restoration where restoration is needed. We will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song this morning? Oh 
I want us to do what we've been doing most weeks, and I want us to proclaim out loud our, our answer our question. So the question for today is, what does the fifth commandment require? Let's say it together. God requires us to honor our parents throughout all of the changing seasons of life. Father, we ask for much grace to do that, but we can't do this on our own, but you can, through your Holy Spirit within us, enable us to honor our parents as an act of worship to you, whether we're young or older, whatever stage we're in. So would you give us grace to grow in that? this week and to encourage one another this week with the hope that, Lord Jesus, you have paid it all. Every sin we've ever committed has already been nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. We rejoice in that grace. Help us be a people focused on that grace, experiencing your goodness all this week and letting it transform how we interact. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Memorial Day weekend.